partake of the Lord's table here shortly. Uh, also a warning for those at home that want to participate, please have your elements prepared as we observe the Lord's table this morning, as we worship you, Lord, on this first Sunday of August, 2022. What an amazing day. Lord, we just ask you today in our hearts and minds and our spirit to be glorified. And Lord, may we, your people, be edified as we worship you in spirit and in truth. May our hearts be acceptable before you. May we come before you, Lord, with holy hands. Will we forgive our brothers and sisters of any faults or any issues that may be between us that we might come before you with forgiveness in our hearts and rejoicing in our spirits as we praise you this morning in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, so the person that we're going to profile today who God using unlikely is a guy by the name of Jabez. I know it's pronounced differently. If you're pronouncing his name in Hebrew and you would have been a living during the time that he was alive, his name would have been pronounced Jabez. Yabetz, there's no J sound in the Hebrew language. There's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. But since we're speaking English today and not Hebrew, I will refer to him as Jabez. Let me just tell you something like really quickly. Let me just give you a quick background on Chronicles. Make sure I'm staying in the frame myself. Okay. Uh, I want to just give you a quick background on Chronicles. And that is the book of Chronicles, first and second Chronicles, were probably, listen, they're probably the last books written in the Bible. Thank you, uh, Lisa. Because they were the last books written in the Bible, probably because it was the, a person that was alive at the end of Israel's Old Testament history that wrote the book of First and Second Chronicles. And First and Second Chronicles really are a category, uh, it, it's really a chronological history of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. It, it pretty much starts with the history of the Jews from the time they were uh, began with Abraham uh, all the way up until their captivity by the Babylonians. So if you read the book of Chronicles, I know it may seem boring because there's a lot of genealogy in it, but it's a very important book because it's tracing the lineage of Jesus Christ through the Davidic line, through the line of Judah, all the way up and it's pointing to the book of first and second chronicles are pointing to Jesus. I know it may not seem like it and I know you don't see his name mentioned specifically, but it's all about Jesus. It's all pointing ahead, looking forward to the arrival of the Messiah. It was an expectation that every Jew was looking for from the time of Moses. When will Messiah come? Where will Messiah come? And who will Messiah be? And Chronicles tells us the whole story of the Old Testament in two parts. First Chronicles part A, Second Chronicles part B. I know you may not read those books. I know they may be, seem like a great process for insomnia, but you should read First and Second Chronicles when you get a chance because there are some incredible nuggets in those books, one of which is in the fourth fourth chapter of the very first book of Chronicles. Oh, you got all of these begats, and you got all of three chapters of genealogies with six more to go, and God drops this little nugget right in 419. I mean, this is just, just an amazing, uh, amazing patch. 4, 9, and 10. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, 
And his mother called his name Jabez because, saying, because I bore him, I'm reading from the ESV, I bore him in pain. This was a very difficult, difficult delivery. Jabez was a difficult, it was such a difficult pregnancy. It was such a difficult delivery. It was such a difficult birth process. She was in such pain that she called his name sorrowful or pain. Actually, the Hebrew says it means sorrow maker because of his painful birth process. So this, this guy must have really put a hurting on his poor mom because she remembered it so much that she said, I'm naming you sorrow, sorry, sorrow brother because you brought me sorrow and pain. Who knows? She may have passed away in childbirth. We don't know. But here's what the Bible goes on to say. And verse 10, the important verse we want to focus on. Jabez called on the name of Israel. I'm sorry. Jabez calls on the name, called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it may not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Great prayer, isn't it? Great prayer. Unfortunately, unfortunately, because of the amazing runaway New York Times bestseller by Bruce Wilkinson, the, Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, who also was a, a speaker at Promise Keepers, and he also wrote another book uh, about uh, the holiness of God. He wrote this book entitled The Prayer of Jabez, which was such an amazing seller, it became almost a cottage industry. They started selling Jabez kits, Jabez questions, Jabez classroom literature. Jabez became like just, uh, you know, I don't know, they probably would have had cartoon characters if McDonald's wanted to uh, promote it more. But Jabez just took off the prayer of Jabez. But here was the problem with it. It was all about prosperity and all about acquisition from God. The emphasis was on these four requests, blessing him, enlarging his borders, keeping him from pain. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. I'm not going to focus on that this morning with the few minutes I have left. You can read all about the prayer of Jabez in any of a number of sermons, several sermons on YouTube about the prayer of Jabez, several books about, there, about it. I want to concentrate on something else, not so much the prayer but the prayer. I want to focus on Jabez himself because the theme of this series is God using the unlikely. And let me just give you a couple things, maybe three things to take home with that I pray will bless you about Jabez. Okay? You ready? Here's number one. The Bible says right off the block in verse 10 that Jabez was actually in verse 9, that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. I talked a little bit about this in Sunday school. The word honorable, the word honorable there means that he was, the Hebrew word for honorable is heavy. He, he was heavier. It means like heavy in terms of weighty matters, importance, significance. So a, um, another word might be Jabez was more significant. He was more, um, he was more um, important from a, from a helpful standpoint 
than his brothers. He was more esteemed than his brothers. He br brought more to the table in terms of his character, his nature, than his brothers. Are they just talking about his natural brothers or his brothers at large in, in life? I'm not sure, maybe both. But right off the bat, I get the, I get the, the sense, as Gerard would say, the sense and feel, uh, you guys know, inside joke, uh, that, that I, get the, I get the sense and feel that Jabez was an important person in the community, that his life made a difference, that he was noble. And as I started digging into that, I, you know me, I came right back to Acts 17, 11, <laughs> the Thessalonians, <laughs> that the Bereans and the Thessalonians, the Bereans were more noble, they were weightier, they were more honorable perhaps, more open-minded than the Thessalonians. And I, when I look at Jabez, I look at a man of honor. So when you start talking about effective prayer and getting a prayer answered, here's thing number one you need to keep in mind. Be honorable. Be presentable before God. Be acceptable. It's about our life. It's about our relationship. Amen? So right off the bat, honor and integrity and character are part of what God looks at in our prayer life. Here's number two. The Bible says that Jabez in verse 10 called upon the God of Israel. I look at that as being significant because the Bible says in Psalms 145, 18, the Lord is near all who call on him to all who call on him in truth. Psalms 145, 18. So calling on the Lord is important. More important is calling on the Lord in truth. What is truth? Jesus said in John 17, 17 in the high priestly prayer, thy word is truth. Calling on the name of the Lord, asking God to agree with his word because you agree with his word, then God honors our request as we learned here in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. But so listen to this, I'll get to that in a second. Listen to this, I see honor, I see calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord is important because when we call on him, he answers us. When, he call on, when we call on him, we get his attention. God does not turn a deaf ear to us. Jude, Jude 24, now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with what? Exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. I know we use that as a benediction. I know most of us use that as a doxology. But did you ever analyze the words? He's basically saying when we call on the name of the Lord, he is able to keep us. He's able to sustain us. It works. Listen, it works. When we call on the name of the Lord, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians 3.21, and I love to quote, Now unto him who is able to do, watch this, exceeding, the King James Version says, exceeding abundantly. Yeah. 
whoever uses two. Let me just say this about a grammatical structure. When you're using two adjectives together, when you're using two descriptives, two what's called modifiers in English grammar, when you're using two modifiers back to back, you are really, really, really trying to make a point. <laughs> He's using two modifiers, exceeding abundantly. Not just exceeding. That would have been enough. I would have been happy with exceeding. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding above all I ask or think. But no, the Lord didn't stop there when he inspired Paul to write this. Watch this, guys. He said exceeding abundantly. That means not just more, but even more and more and more. God never just meets our needs just narrowly, marginally. I love Psalms 23. My cup runneth over. He talks about in Luke 6 that the God will bless us, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, running over. God always gives us more than enough. Picard sings this song. We, I believe we sing this song more than enough. Bacara sings this song, more, more, more. God just gives us more. Yes, yes, yes. Exceeding more. abundantly more than we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I know I'm going to change camera views because I know I keep going out of frame. I'm sorry. More and more. More and more. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And let me give you my final point as I close, as we get ready to observe the Lord's table. So number one, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, which means to God, listen, ethics and integrity and character mean something. Matter of fact, that's the Monday morning moment. It's coming up here in a second. Ethics and character and integrity mean something with God. Number two, the Bible says this man called in the name of the Lord. You know, Sister Marie and I were discussing prayer the other day. And she was, she was wrong and I was right in terms of what we were discussing. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Wow. That's neither here nor there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we were talking about prayer. Let me say this about prayer. Let me say this about prayer. The Lord has this thing that when we call on him, calling on him is prayer and calling on the Lord is, is really about us, watch this, us really humbling ourselves and, and, and letting him know, Lord, that we're dependent upon you. Giving the Lord our prayer request is not, is not prayer in and of itself. That's petitioning, but the Lord says in John, in Matthew 6, that I know, I know what you have need of before you even ask. That you're not going to be heard because of your many words, he says, like the Pharisees are. So what he was saying was that, look, prayer is really not so much about your words, your, your monologue, your verbiage your sentences, the Lord reads and listens to the heart more than he listens to our mouth. 
Do you think the Lord is going to say, well, I'm not going to give you that because you forgot it in your list. When you were asking me for stuff, you, 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 didn't, you didn't ask me for good health. You, you, you didn't ask me to not let you get fired. You talked about other stuff. So I ain't going to give you that. God doesn't play those games. That's the kind of stuff that we do. We play, humans play those games. Prayer is about showing, Lord, I'm dependent upon you. I'm calling on you because I need you. Calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord. Just thinking about that great song that Rick and Deanna sang the other day. Just calling on the name of the Lord. The Lord wants us to be dependent. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to realize that everything we have, everything we got, everything we are is a result of him. That dependency, that dependency shows trust. It shows faith. You all with me? So, calling on the name of the Lord, being honorable. And the last thing as I take my seat, before I take my seat is, God granted him his request. Well, you know why? You know why God granted his request? He granted his request because, number one, the man was honorable. He had a good heart. He was holy. He was sanctified. He had integrity. He had ethics. He had character. He wasn't asking stuff out of selfishness, out of greed. The problem with some of the prosperity teachers and the health and wealth guys is that they feel like just because we ask something, God gives it. It's like it's always unconditional. It's without premise. It's without predecessor. Uh, it, it's, with, uh, it's, it's without some form of, of, uh, of, of delivery or, or we have to come to him with some form of holiness that there's, there's just nothing that, that's required of us. But there is precedent. There is something that's required of us. God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be righteous. He wants us to have forgiven our brother. He wants us to have forgiven our neighbor. We can't just come and ask God anything we want and we got hate in our heart. We have unforgiveness. We have unreconciled differences. We have issues with our family. We're at war with our, with, with our friends. That, there's, there's just something that God expects of us. And I love the fact that God granted his request, but I look at what happened before that. I look at his character. And I look at the fact that he called on the name of the Lord. And when I look at the fact that God granted it, I go to 1 John 5, 14, which says, and this is the confidence. I, I could have done a 3C type thing. C, one for character. The second C, he called. And the third C was that he granted it based on the confidence, confidence we have. And John says that this is the confidence that we have. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he, if he hears us, whatsoever we ask, the King James Version says, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. What is that in plain English, Pastor Will? Basically it's saying when we ask according to his will, when we ask based on what he wants to do, when we agree with his word, then we are agreeing with his will, we get what we ask for. It doesn't, it's not just... It's not just us asking God to do whatever we want and God, like a genie in a bottle, does it. 
God promises us provisions, not prosperity. God promises us to meet our needs according to his riches and glory, not our wants. Not all of our wants, right? Not all of our wants. So some Christians have mistakenly taken some of these scriptures to believe that God is just a genie in a bottle and that we can ask whatever we want and God is obligated to give it. That's not true. I love the prayer that Jonathan prayed over in 1 Samuel 14, 6, and I shared this prayer with you guys before. Jonathan said, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. But I love what he says. In the King James Version, I was just reading from the English Standard Version. In the King James Version, I love the work because it provides a little more, a little more, um, a little more non-certainty. He says, perhaps, perchance, maybe God will work for us if he wants to, if it's his will, right? Every prayer that we pray don't get answered. Sometimes the answer is no. And when I say answer, they get answered. They don't necessarily always get answered the way that we ask them to be answered. The answer might be no. If you're asking someone for something, you always run the risk that the answer could be no. That's why you, you're asking. That means that the answer could be yes, it could be no. It could be maybe. Let me think about it. It could be not now. There's a lot of different responses. Those are all considered answers, but not necessarily the affirmative answer that we're looking for. But I want you to know, what I want you to know is that Jonathan was wise. He said, perhaps the Lord will work for us. But you need to know this, armor bearer. God can work with many or with few. God doesn't need a whole army to defeat Satan. God didn't need 30,000 men to defeat the Midianites in Judges, I'm sorry, yeah, in Judges chapter 6, when God uses, used Gideon to defeat the Midianites. He came there with 30,000 guys. The Lord said, dude, you, you got too many. You got too many. Tell whoever, whoever don't want to go to war, whoever ain't up for this, whoever ain't down with this, tell them they can go home. The Bible says at that moment, 17,000, I think it was, uh, 20, I think it was 33,000. 23,000 left and went home, left him with 10,000. He said, you still got too many. He said, take them down to the water and let them get something to drink. You can read this. I think it was in Judges 6. And when they said, those that lap like a dog, you know, and the, I'll send those home. They're, they're not prepared for war. They're not astute. They're not watchful. They're not careful. So he sent another seven, 9,700 guys home. So he was left with 300. Remember that? You all remember this story? Remember this account? But guess what? He used 300, but he didn't use 300 because he needed 300. Because the 300 that he used, they didn't even have to draw their swords. Are you all with me? God doesn't need a lot. Jonathan knew that. Jonathan understood how God works. That God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. He doesn't need a whole lot to work with. He only needs a mustard seed worth of faith. You know you don't need a whole lot of people. 
God got the job done by just saying, okay, you got 300? Okay, get it. Here's what I want you to do. He didn't say, I want you to get the guys that know martial arts, the guys that are the most skillful in war. I don't need the guys that are like David's 300 men that were like unbeatable. I don't need super soldiers, okay? We don't need the Avengers here. All I need is 300 guys, just bodies, because what they're going to be doing doesn't require a lot of skill. What they're going to be doing doesn't require a lot of training, because all they're going to do is shout glory to God. All they're going to do is shout, Lord, be praised. All they're going to do is worship me. And then I'm going to do the rest. The power of praise, ladies and gentlemen, the power of prayer is not about how much we pray, how long we pray, how hard we pray. It doesn't, that, that's not the key element with prayer. Yes, we should keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. That's what the Lord says in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. But that isn't the key element. The key element is that we trust in who God is. I love what the writer of the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. He says, they heard what we heard, but it did them no good because what? It wasn't mixed with faith is what the King James Version says to that. It's that element of trust. It's that element, ladies and gentlemen, of knowing what God can do, knowing that he will do it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I, I just, this prayer, the prayer is great, but to me, the prayer warrior Jabez is greater. His attitude, his integrity, his honor, his dependence by calling on the name of the Lord, his confidence and trusting in the word of the Lord. I can tell that this guy was praying God's word. I can tell that Jabez, listen, I can tell that he was in, he was in, 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 in the word because if you do a study of his prayer, and we don't have time to, in, to, to develop this right now, but if you do a, a study of the prayer of Jabez like I did, you will see that most of this prayer is grounded in Deuteronomy chapter 28. He took it right out of Deuteronomy 28. He was praying the word of God. He was praying, he was, he was agreeing with God. Prayer is, at its core, prayer is agreeing with God. That's really what prayer is. We turn prayer into more than is necessary, but prayer is agreeing with the word of God. We would be such great, we would be such, we would be such great, greater prayer warriors if we understood how simple and how, how little it takes to communicate with God. Oh, it's just so beautiful. It's, 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 it's just a beautiful thing. We're, we're, we're. We're introduced to prayer in Genesis chapter 3. And the Lord is just seeing Adam and Eve communicating with him. It's just a beautiful thing. So I put down as my Monday morning moment. I put down my Monday morning moment about the character. About the character of Jabez, which is what I think was the key to him getting his prayer answered. Which I think is the key to us getting God to hear us. It doesn't matter what the... You notice I didn't even deal with the content of Jabez's prayer. Because just insert your request in there. 
insert your request where he says, oh, that thou would bless me. Oh, that thou would enlarge my border. Oh, that thou would keep me from pain. Insert your request in that verse 10 of 1 Chronicles 4. Insert whatever you're going through, whatever you need in that verse. But sandwich it, sandwich it between what's at the beginning and the end. What's at the beginning is that he was honorable. What's at the beginning is that he called on the name of the Lord. What's at the end is that God granted it because of his confidence. I look at the guy, and you can insert any request you want in there, and it'll get met if it meets the conditions of the prayer person himself or herself. I think that's the real lesson here. Unfortunately, this was, this was hijacked by the prosperity guys, and they tried to turn this into a magic formula. They tried to turn the prayer of Jabez into an equation. They tried to make it a, a, a genie in a bottle. You say this and you'll get that. <laughs> this is so much more than that. This is not a silver bullet. This is not an equation. This is not a recipe for success. God is so much more interested in, in, in us than from a material standpoint. So what, you get a new house and a new car. So what? You're leaving it behind. So what, we're healthy today. We're still going to eventually one day die unless the Lord returns first. So what, we got a promotion, we got more money. We're gonna spend it or hopefully give it away, right? I'm just being straight up honest. I'm looking for something that has eternal dividends, something that has eternal value, something that will help us not just today, but tomorrow, the next day, the next day, and forever. Lord, I want something that has eternal worth. I put down in my Monday morning moment, success does not ruin the character of a person. It simply exposes the character that he or she already had. I'll say the Monday morning moment again. The Monday morning moment says that success, prosperity, wealth, blessings does not ruin a person. It doesn't ruin their character. It just exposes the character that's already there. You know how people get, get wealthy? You know, how I, I can tell this from my own personal experience. I used to have a prison ministry for years and years and years. People in the prison would, would say in prison, oh, man, Will, when we get out, uh, I was just Will back then. Now I, I, got, I got qualifications. I'm Pastor Will now. They'd have to say Pastor Will with a couple of initials behind my name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they say, Will, man, when we get out, man, we're going to come to church, man. We're going to be the church. Marie, you know this. Debbie Ratch, you guys know this. We're all in this together. Um, a lot of those guys never showed up. They got out and they got away. See, because sometimes what freedom, what success, what prosperity does really is kind of exposes what's already in us. They were already like that. People that get a lot of money, you know how many times you read about people that win the lottery, some of them end up committing suicide or getting in all kind of trouble, falling out with their families, spouses getting divorces because they came into all this money. Guess what? That, a lot of that was already percolating under the surface. They just hadn't had a trigger to release it to show who they really were. You ever work with somebody and all of a sudden they come out of a trick bag like, where did that come from? 
That person was already a hater. They just hadn't had an opportunity to show you how dirty and sneaky and conniving they could be. But the opportunity presented itself. So what I said in my many more moments, success doesn't ruin the character of a person. It simply exposes the character he or she already had. And might I say, let it never be named among us once that we would do something that would expose it. I think Jabez was already an honorable man. He was honorable before he prayed this prayer. The Bible says that he was more honorable than his brothers. These blessings that he got didn't ruin him. They made him, it just brought out the great guy that he really was. I say, Lord, if money is success and prosperity is gonna ruin us, if it's gonna cause us to turn our back on you, then Lord, let us stay struggling. Wouldn't you rather stay struggling than to be lost? I'd rather just have to struggle until you return. If I'm gonna be a jerk, if I'm gonna be mean and selfish and a hater and just a bad person, if I'm gonna turn into a monster, then let me stay right where I'm at, please. I'd rather get to heaven and be poor than to be rich and go to that other place. I won't name the other place because Thomas is right there and he might say that word also. So don't want to say a, could potentially a bad word. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for this sermon. We thank you for this time together. And as we prepare for the Lord's table, we ask you, Lord, that we forgive our brothers and sisters, that we pardon each other of their faults and offenses, that we come before you, Lord, with complete unforgiveness in our heart, that we have the heart of Jabez, man of character, a man of honor, a man of integrity and ethics, a man who called upon the name of the Lord because he was dependent upon the Lord and he received of the Lord his request because of the confidence that he had in the Lord's word. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elders, if you'll come at this time.